Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can reach me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers, where I write for a Preston North End fan blog, which is at Deepdale Digest. Hi, um, to add to confusion, it's another James here. I'm a QPR fan, uh, Jim E. Evans on Twitter. I run We Are QPR TV, and I'm also on the QPR podcast from now, from time to time. Rob Miles here, a long-suffering Barnsley fan. You can find me on Twitter at, at 21 tyke and I run barnsley-mad.co.uk. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. Um, obviously, we had two games this week, each team. Um, Barnsley having a League Cup game sort of thrown in there as well. Um, but we'll start with you first, James. Obviously, you had the game against Millwall in midweek, and then you had the game away at Borough yesterday. Uh, sort of talk us through your week and sort of the, the positives and negatives of it. Yeah, sure. Um, Kind of in an instance, really, um, obviously not picking not picking up that many points is a big negative. But the bigger negative is we've just suffered a hell of a lot of injuries this week. Um, The Millwall game um, on Tuesday night, you know, I was really actually I was quite impressed by Millwall. They were really they were just tough and solid and at that present and on that basis I was like they're going to do alright this season and um, they just came flying out the traps and we were completely second best for a lot of the game and then there were challenges flying in that a lot were being kind of just given the benefit of the doubt by the ref and um, but then Lee Gregory got sent off from Millwall and to be honest that sort of turned the game back towards QPR although they did then go up to 2-0 ahead when they had 10 men. We, we showed some fighting spirit and got back into it uh, which is something we've not seen for a long time, but we lost Neda Manua due to, uh, to injury in that game. Josh Scowen, who uh, Lee Gregory got the red card for, also who's been great for us, also um, also went out and then missed the Middlesbrough game. Uh, he's been really important for us. Um, and the Middlesbrough game, you know, you always want to score goals away from home. You always think you've got a chance. We scored two, and I mean, we just. But I think we've probably got one one actual centre half in our squad available now because. All of the others are out injured. So, uh, I, you know, disappointed. And then kind of looking back on TV, um, you know, that Middlesbrough third goal, the ball kind of went out. But I, I hate that sort of sour grapes thing. Um, so we're, I think we're a bit unlucky this week, actually. Um, and I just hope our defensive kind of injury problems, I hope they just get cleared up as soon as possible. Yeah, moving on to you now, Rob. Um, obviously, there were two games again this week. Bit weird for you. You had the the cup game against Derby in midweek, catching up from uh, sort of a few weeks ago, and then you also had a home game against Villa yesterday. Um, sort of same as I asked to Jim. Talk us through, and uh, how did your week go? Uh, well, it's getting a bit boring now for us, isn't it? Going to Wembley all the time. That's uh, three times now in uh, I think just in the sixteen months we've uh, been there. We've won more, won more games there than Tottenham in the last um, sort of few years. Uh, obviously, very impressed with 
with Tuesday night because I think Derby made 11 changes and still had like about 100 Premier League and Championship games between them, which is not something we can do. So, especially going behind twice as well, really, really pleased that we could um, come back and get a result there. Um, yesterday was, wasn't so good. Um, dominated possession, but we never liked scoring. We gifted them the first goal with a, our goalkeeper, Adam Davis, who seemed to come out and then didn't really know what he wanted to do and the ball ends up going through his legs. Then we give away a penalty for the second goal and it was really frustrating watching yesterday. I think you could tell by about the, the 50th minute we weren't going to get anything out of the game. But um, we've got the trip to Wembley Tuesday night. Um, league is more important because I think we dropped down to 20th now, which, you know, we're hovering above that relegation zone. But we're happy, happy in the next round of the Cup. It's the first time since about 2009, 10, I want to say, that we've been the third round of the Cup. And it'd be great, you know, to go back to Wembley again. But the league's the, league's the most important thing. And um, yesterday, I so said we had, we had all the ball, but... We, we never like scoring, which is which is a worrying thing for us because we have we have been scoring goals recently, but we're still letting uh, quite a few in. And if we don't score, we're definitely not going to get anything out of the game because we at the minute we like we always will concede. Yeah, it's um, sort of obviously I'd imagine the goals would come for you. It's, it's similar to how Preston have been, which sort of takes me nicely onto Preston's week. Um, came on last week and said that there were quite a few fans sort of moaning about. Even though we had had this good start to the season, there was there was that thing in the back of their minds that we weren't scoring enough goals, and it's, it's obviously old cliche goes. What a difference a week makes. Um, we started with uh, a three 0 win over then league leaders Cardiff on Tuesday night, which was sort of going back sort of when we were down in League One again. Obviously, the standard wasn't as good as it is now in the Championship, but that is the best I've seen us play for for quite some time on Tuesday night. Um, thoroughly deserved the win against Cardiff and if you were sort of a neutral looking in you would have said that we were the team sort of high flying at the top of the league and Cardiff were the team sort of around the playoffs that kind of area uh, but absolutely fantastic result I'd said last week that it'll only be a matter of time with all the attacking talent that we've got up front these days before it does start to click and and the goals do come, and that was evident on uh, on Tuesday night against Cardiff. We uh, sort of ran the game from start to finish. The link-up play between the likes of Barcus and Maguire and Hugill uh, has been absolutely fantastic, and it's it's really sort of paying rewards now for sort of the hard work that they've put in on the training ground and sort of transferred that onto the pitch, which then took us to yesterday. Um, going into the first half, I thought, probably our poorest 45 minutes of the season but whatever Alex Neal had said to the players at half time you know he's, he's really earned his money with that team talk we looked a completely different a completely different team in the second half and in the first 20 minutes um, up to the sort of 65th minute when we got our third goal we absolutely blew Birmingham away um, sort of chalk and cheese really sort of worst first half of the season and probably best second half of the season in one game and uh, I think it wouldn't have mattered what championship defence was up against us sort of the, the form that we were in for that 20 minutes at the start of the second half was sort of from a Preston perspective brilliant to watch but there must have been some Birmingham fans wondering sort of where that performance was in the first half um, especially the third goal absolutely carved them open Daniel Johnson I've, I've got to give a special mention to him um, last season he sort of fell off a little bit um, don't know what that was down to but just didn't seem to look right last season but ever since Alex Neal's came in this season, you can see he's got a new lease of life under him and, and what a difference it's made to him. He's 
picking up balls in sort of areas where he last season he'd be eager just to get rid straight away. Um, this season he's getting it and driving forwards. And that was evident for his first goals sort of going back to the Daniel Johnson from two years ago, who'd pick the ball up from deep, take on a few players. And sort of if, if there was sort of a Daniel Johnson goal to, to show to someone to say, this is what this lad's all about. That was it yesterday. He drove from deep, took on a couple of men and, bent the ball into the far corner with his left foot. Um, he was absolutely fantastic yesterday, but I'll, I'll get on to, to that in a minute. Um, just wanted to ask, we'll start with you again, James, on this. Obviously, the two games over this week. Um, which players stood out for you as impressing and which sort of were players that, that underwhelmed or, or didn't really impress you? Well, um, it's, I've, I've been—I was on a few times last season, and I think I ended up going on a few explosive moans uh, about QPR. But I, I must say, kind of uh, Massimo Luongo, uh, just generally in kind of form this season, and it's still kind of carried on, carried on this week as well. He's just—he he plays for Australia. He always comes back for the international break, really tired, and he's continued—he's continued that form. Um, and, 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 you know, that was, that was the case on Tuesday night, kind of Holloway really obviously had some good words at halftime because it got going and Luongo is vital to us. I think having a really good campaign, we sort of, we sort of loosely play a four, three, three slash three, five, two. It's very odd. Um, it kind of goes in between both, but Luongo's one of kind of the three in the middle and he's, um, and he's really done well. I must also say, uh, David Wheeler, uh, who we signed from Exeter. Um, you know, he nearly scored with his first touch as a sub um, a couple of weeks ago, and then he scored probably with his first touch yesterday again, again against Borough uh, to give us an early lead. So he certainly did. In terms of disappointment, uh, it's really hard for me to... God, I can't believe I'm being this positive. Hard for me to say anybody that's been that disappointing because quite a lot of ours fans were predicting us to be kind of, you know, 20th, 21st you know at this point in the season and we've we've been slightly unlucky away from home really but we have played Norwich Cardiff Wednesday and Borough all away which are tough games and you know we're, we're slap bang mid-table we're 11th so I can't say anybody has massively disappointed me because there's quite a few people playing auxiliary centre-halves like Jack Robinson is a left back possibly could play kind of left wing uh, he's been playing left centre-back for the last couple of games so no one's hugely disappointed me which is a rare thing for me yeah, obviously you touched on it there that you're sort of mid-table at the moment. Is, is that sort of where QPR should be aiming this season or do you think you've got the squad in place to sort of make a push for the playoffs or is it all about sort of building steadily and then sort of maybe next year going for the playoffs? Oh, I've been burnt too many times by QPR to to make any, any bold predictions. If you'd have asked me before the season started, I would have said, I would have said anything better than last season, considering we only finished one point above kind of the drop. And if Forrest had beaten us uh, last season instead of the other way around, we would have gone down. Um, so right now, if, if the season ended and we were where we are now, I'd be absolutely delighted. Um, I mean, I know they're trying, I know like the talk within the squad is to try and press on and do a little bit, a little bit better and aim for the playoffs. And I like all of that, but we, 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 not that you need a 20-goal striker. You can score goals throughout, but we really aren't clinical enough up front, I think. I don't think there's someone who has that edge. And at the back, you know, we're, we're still slightly light for me, and we've been very unlucky with injuries. So I think we're performing slightly above expectations, and this season is completely consolidating. 
Yeah, the same questions to you, really, Rob. Um, obviously, you had the two games again, same as everyone else. Um, which players stood out for you as impressing and which disappointed? Uh, <clears throat> I've been really impressed with uh, Joe Williams so far this season. We've got him on loan from Everton. Uh, sort of replaced Josh Gowan in our team, the sort of one that can break up the play and, and get us moving forward. He was really good yesterday in a, you know, in a, in a game where we didn't really impose ourselves as much as we could. Uh, Tom Bradshaw has also been very good. He was very good on Tuesday night. Um, didn't do as well yesterday, but he was up against John Terry and I don't think there's many strikers in the Championship who will, will get the better of Terry this season. Uh, Liam Lindsay, who was coming from, from Scotland, uh, he's looked very impressive in the defence since he's come back from injury. Um, so there's been, there's been a number, number of these last, this last week or so that's that sort of come to the fore. We, we struggled early in the season um, when everyone getting to know each other, but now the, the team seems to be gelling a bit better there's, a, there's a, a couple that's sort of like pushing themselves a bit more and are getting more comfortable with the championship uh, there's, I've seen on Twitter a lot of people criticising Brad Potts who um, we've got him from Blackpool uh, it wasn't wasn't his greatest performance on Saturday but he, he did well on Tuesday and he seems to be getting, getting a bit more confidence now he's he's come into the championship I think he scored um, against Preston the other week which is his first goal since the, the League 2 playoff final so a lot of, the, a lot of them now are starting to Starting to gel with the team and um, and starting to get to to get to the championship. Um, in terms of <clears throat> disappointments, um, I think Adam Davis made a real clangy yesterday. Um, there's a lot of people I've seen on Twitter who really really rate him as a goalkeeper, but um, it's probably we probably couldn't get better than him at the moment. But there's always seems to be one clanger in him. He'll pull off one worldly save every now and again, but. Um, I think the game was drifting. We were quite comfortable in the game yesterday until he made that error. So I was, I was a bit disappointed with him. Um, again, yesterday, up front, we didn't really have anything. Ugbo came on, the guy we've got in from, from Chelsea. He missed a, a really good chance towards the end. So one or two like Ugbo, Davis, not done well this week. But for the likes of Joe Williams, Brad Potts, I was impressed with. Um, again, Liam Lindsay. Uh, so definitely more I'm impressed with than the, the negatives this week, even though we, we lost yesterday. Yeah, you touched on it there. Obviously, the the amount of players that you brought in in the summer and, and them starting to gel now is it sort of about Paul Heckingbottom now finding his sort of best eleven and letting them gel together, or is there already signs of that starting to happen? Uh, I think there's some signs there. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a few players he's brought in that's not not played yet. We, we, I mean, we got Stevie Mallon in from St Mirren, who everyone's raving about, but it, I don't know if something's gone on behind the scenes, but he can't get in the squad. Um, he played. Um, I think for the for the Scotland under 21s in the international break and, and he scored, uh, he scored goals in, in the under 23s for us. But he's not getting he's not been given a chance in the squad yet. So there's a few people, myself included, who are thinking something something might have gone on behind the scenes. If he's had a, a falling out, I, I know like the the media passed Paul Hackingbottom about him and he just says, oh yeah, he's you know he's working hard, but it's a bit bizarre why he's not been given a chance. Uh, we've still got Lloyd Isgrove to come back as well, so I, don't, I think until we get everybody fully fit, I don't, I'm not sure Heck is going to have his, going to really know what his first first choice eleven is yet. But I mean, like like you said, we brought when we brought in 16 players this summer. Um, we should have had more. We should have had Ollie McBurney, who we thought we'd signed, and then the the FA turned around and said that we didn't get the paperwork in time, which, which was a massive blow for us because now we've only got three strikers rather than the the four that we thought we would have. Which makes us a bit light in that area, but but you can definitely see the last couple of weeks that they are starting to gel. We had a poor start. We lost to Bristol City. We lost to Ipswich. But the last few games looked a lot better. We we played Sunderland off the park to win three 0 So 
and 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 most of the players in that squad have not played championship football before. You know, most of them that we've signed this summer, we have players coming from Accrington Stanley, Forest Green, Luton. So it's going to take time. That's a massive, massive jump for some of those players. But certainly, there's a lot more positive uh, aspects in the last couple of weeks compared to maybe the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, just touching on Preston's players now that that sort of impressed and disappointed this week. I think there's. Uh, Sort of starting with players that didn't impress, it's it's hard to actually you know choose one considering we beat Cardiff three 0 and then Birmingham three one. Um, the only sort of real disappointing or not disappointing, but thing that we weren't too happy about was sort of the ease that Birmingham scored their first goal yesterday, um, and sort of the collective team performance in the first half. Uh, Sean Maguire, big fan of his, but. He's playing sort of out on the right-hand side when he is sort of an out-and-out striker. And he's still learning that sort of defensive aspect that needs to come with that. Um, He got turned a bit too easily for their goal. Um, I thought Maxwell could have done a bit better in net, uh, sort of getting beaten far too easy at his near post. Um, But that's the only sort of real disappointing thing for the week. And it'd be wrong for me to sit there and single out players after probably our two best performances of the season and probably last season as well um, within the space of a week. So sort of the main thing really for us was the positives. I think Sean Maguire going forward now really looks to be settling in after his move from the League of Ireland. It's taken him a few games to sort of adjust to the sort of the pace and the tempo of the league, but he looks like a real handful now. Um, Jordan Hugill impressed again yesterday. He was absolutely fantastic in the air and really bullied the, the two Birmingham centre-backs and, so it's been a weird one. He did hand in the transfer request with about a week to go in the transfer window and quite a lot of people thought he would leave even though the club were quite firm in saying that he wouldn't. Um, but ever since then and the transfer window's closed, he's he's been better than he was before he handed in the transfer request, which is quite a weird one. It, it sort of does show that his head is in the right place for the time being. Um, he probably will end up leaving at some point. But while he's here, we've just got to sort of appreciate him while he is here. He isn't blessed with lightning quick pace but he's sort of a throwback that he's he isn't afraid to put himself about and you know great in the air and and it really allowed the players yesterday sort of like jo- uh, josh harrop tom barcus and sean mcguire um alan brown and daniel johnson as well coming deep from midfield to really sort of get a stranglehold on the game in the second half and you take away that and we do tend to become a little bit one-dimensional then, which is weird to say when you're sort of using a target man almost as your sort of preferred route of football. Um, but by no means does that mean we're we're a long ball team. The sort of the impressive thing yesterday was just sort of how well we got the ball down, one, two-touch football, triangles around the edge of the box. And it was a real joy to watch, to be honest, uh, which I can't sort of say too often about Preston. Um, sort of it, it is easy to be sort of negative about your team but wherever we end up this season um, if we keep playing like that it's going to be you know high up the table and, and who knows where that can take us Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget friendly coverage for you learn more at UH1.com 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, but sort of moving on into the first topic now, it's one that we've sort of added in late. Obviously, Harry Redknapp was sacked by Birmingham yesterday after, after Preston had beat them. One of the topics that I did have penciled in for this week was sort of the the argument, should managers be given more time or a club's too expectant now on success straight away? Um, sort of it ties in quite nicely with the Harry Redknapp thing. He's spent a lot of money. Um, and I wanted to ask you two about this. Um, we'll start with you first on this one, Rob. How do you sort of see it? Obviously, it's a similar situation at Barnsley with the amount of players that you've brought in. Should managers be given more time to to implement their ideas on a squad and let a team sort of build and gel? Well, I mean, of course. I mean, you look at like, how Redknapp was brought all them players in, say at Crystal Palace. I mean, with Frank de Boer, they played four games at Palace. How can a manager implement his ideas in, in four games? It, you know, if you bring in a lot of players, they're not going to gel instantly. No matter how how much you get them on the training pitch, you know, you need games to gel. And I mean, now they, I mean, well, we, I think Barnsley are a great example. You know, when we were in League One, the year we got promoted, we were bottom of the league at Christmas. It would have been so easy to sack the manager. Um, there was plenty of people calling for his head. We didn't sack him. I mean, obviously, he eventually left on his own accord. But that same squad of players ended up getting promoted. What five months later? You, you can't you can't judge a team on on four or five games and certainly in cases of Birmingham they've just spent a lot of money on on deadline day I think they brought in th- three or four players for about ten million pounds it, it's imp- it's impossible I mean you can even go as far, as far back as Alex Ferguson you know at Man United you know they were they were baying for his head in 1986 or whatever 87 when they were doing nothing they, they persevered with him and he ended up becoming the most successful manager they've ever had I don't. The problem with football now, I think, is that people demand instant success. You know, you win one game, you're the best manager in the world. If you lose the next week, you're the worst manager in the world. I've seen it on Twitter on a Saturday night. If if we won, our fans on Twitter think we're the, you know, everything's brilliant and that we're going to get promoted. But then if we lose a game, you know, we're going down. You know, the players are not good enough. It's 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 mad, but I mean, there's so much money in football now that owners panic. You know, they lose two or three games on the bounce, and it, and it's a crisis. I think we saw it a bit really yesterday with Aston Villa. Uh, Steve Bruce had been under pressure before they beat us because he'd, he'd not been you know, winning games with the, with the players he's brought in. And it's, it's just madness to me. I, th- I, think, I think Steve Bruce called it uh, the mass hysteria. And he said, he, he said after the game yesterday, he was pleased they won just to, to calm down that for another week. But if Villa lose next week, it, he'll be under pressure again. It's, it's madness, like I say. You know, four or five games, it's, it's, it's nowhere near enough time to... Implementing ideas and, and and people like Harry Redknapp, you know, he's he's done it before. He, he got Tottenham into the Champions League. He's he's had promotions. You know, he's a very very good manager. One one of the best that you know this country certainly ever had. And it's it's just, it's just crazy. It really is crazy. Yeah, the same question to you, James. Obviously, there was sort of a few years ago, QPR did go quite quite uh, through quite a few different managers. Um, we've seen it with Leeds and, and other teams like that in a division. So, what are your thoughts on it? Well, it's oh, it's sort of. Um, I think I'm going to have a really different opinion on Harry Redknapp to Rob. Um, 
Well, right. You give Harry Redknapp money to spend in a transfer window. Let's let's see what he can do for. Uh, let's see what he can do with that squad. I totally agree with that. But the thing is, I you know, I say, he's been. It says he's been sacked or parted ways. It's hard to know. And to be honest, when he didn't get the England manager's job, I th- I think his heart. I think his heart went. I think he lost a little bit of what gave him. You know, the, that extra little bit that um, made him the the level of manager that he used to be. You know, um, in terms of QPR managers in the Premier League, Harry Redknapp at nineteen percent has the lowest win rate. When we went down, we went down more expensively because Harry Redknapp was in charge. He did the same with Southampton. You know, look how long it's taken Portsmouth to recover. Um, you know, uh, Sandro, Jordan Much, Chris Samba. That was, about, that was not far off £30 million wasted for QPR by Harry Redknapp. And none of those guys did anything for us. I mean, I mean Sandro's in Turkey. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris, Chris Samba's at Villa, uh, I think, isn't he? And then, like, Jordan Much, I don't, I think... Where is he? Where is he? Literally, where is he? I know he was at Palace for a bit and then he went somewhere else. Um, I mean, I agree with the, the fact of the matter that if you give someone some money and time to spend, then you kind of got to let them get on with it for a bit. I just find it hilarious that Birmingham and that Gianfranco Zola have so long last year after yeah. kind of getting rid of Ab- uh, Abbott for no reason and then bring Redknapp in. And, you know, when Redknapp got QPR promoted, to be honest, we 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 should have done we should we should have been challenging for the top two, not we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have won via the playoffs. The amount of money that he had to spend and he could keep the play, people that he wanted, it was an absolute struggle. And then when we lost Charlie Austin that season, we dropped from like second third to about eighth. And only when Austin came back and scored the goals again did it all fall into place. Um, so I, I don't know. There's just lots of different issues at play. And then with Palace and De Boer, if you're trying to change a complete style of play there. Give the man more time. He, he, sorry, it's, I, 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 I don't have a lot of love for Harry. <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, I can say I, uh, I just had a quick Wikipedia search then, and it's uh, Jordan watches at Reading at the moment on loan from Palace. So, uh, sort there of, we are. Said, yeah, Says it all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think um, sort of with the issue of sort of giving managers time, I think definitely that that managers should be given more time, and I think the De Boer, um at Crystal Palace sort of situation is prime example of that he's he's gone in inherited a squad that was sort of Sam Allardyce's uh, squad and has been asked sort of in four games sort of now that it obviously he's been sacked in four games to completely change the play style um obviously there's the players there to do it you know he's got people like Kabai and and Zaha but you can't expect a, a sort of a manager to change it in four games. It's absolutely no time at all. I think he should have been given the season. I think Palace have sort of too good of a squad to to go down, and I think it was sort of such a shame that he's he's been sacked. I think the the Redknapp argument, or not argument, but the Redknapp situation at Birmingham, he, he has spent a lot of money, and I think they should be higher up than they are at the moment. Um, it sort of depends really on if it obviously they've they've come out and said he's left um whether it's his decision to go and as james said you know his his sort of heart's not really with it anymore um he's sort of he's had a long career and you know maybe he's just not sort of enjoying it as he thought he would sort of the, the task of trying to get obviously birmingham promoted he has spent a lot of money there and sort of the same situation you know he's not going to change it overnight um I think if it is him walking, you know, he's he's held his hands up and said, 
you know, there's sort of much, not much more he can do, which in that sense, you would have liked him to try and stick it out um, and sort of see if he, he could, could turn he it around. QPR. He quit QPR because he said he had a knee problem. Then like, <laughs> then like a month later, he was, he was playing golf. Yeah. Alleged, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> and I think, as you said, I think sort of not getting the England job, I think that was sort of the job that he has been, you know, holding out for and, and sort of he probably won't get it sort of now, um, sort of especially leaving Birmingham in the championship. Um, but, you know, I think managers sort of as a whole should definitely be given more time. I think the Alex Ferguson one is probably the best example to use. I think he sort of, I, sh- I should know, considering all my family are United fans, that he had, I think it was an FA Cup game to effectively save his career, which they ended up winning. And, you know, look what he's gone on to achieve. Um, Mark Robbins. That, Mark Robbins. Yes, that's the one. Not, not the... Um, you know, a manager can sort of you can expect a manager to have the career that Alex Ferguson has had, but I think sort of definitely um, give them more time, let them implement their play style. Um, and four games is definitely too too short of a time to actually sort of get those ideas across and and you know kick on. Um, sort of moving on to to sort of the next topic that I wanted to talk about, and it kind of goes hand in hand with giving managers more time to sort of bring in their kind of players and and implement their play style. It's been announced sort of over the last week or so that the the transfer window is going to be closing early um, next summer um, before the season starts, which you know has uh, created a lot of talk. I just wanted to ask you two, obviously with the World Cup as well next year. Um, I think between the World Cup finishing and the season starting, there's I think it's about a three-week break. How do you sort of see the the World Cup affecting how the transfer window will go, um, especially with it closing before the season starts? And do you think it'll affect things like movement between clubs and prices of players? Um, we'll start with you, James, on this one. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, really. It's, it's well. What, what's weird is obviously that's a really short. That is a really short amount of time. Um, kind of when I read that, I did think about that. And it's, are you are you going to see people kind of trying to buy people mid tournament? Is it going to distract? Is it going to distract players whilst whilst they're kind of getting to the kind of the latter stages of it? Uh, you know, say there'll be someone that has a bit of a James Rodriguez tournament. You know, like he did a few years ago and got that big move. And you know, having your head turned during during a World Cup campaign might be quite quite strange uh, to see happen I think moving the transfer window forward is 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 a good idea um, because I mean I, I can't remember who it was but it was a manager that basically said it's great TV but it's not really good for football and um, I think that's kind of really kind of good summary of it but it'd be really interesting to see if it does genuinely distract players during the campaign because people are going to be moving more quickly um, it's a funny one with the transfer window because I think with the deadline day, everyone seems to like wait till the last minute. I'm I'm sort of the opinion that if it was closed earlier, people wouldn't wait so long. I still think you know the if it closes the, the day before the start of the season, there'll be mass hysteria on that final day. But I think if people have less time to do the deals, they're more likely to to get them done early. It's I, I think it's, it's it's so bizarre that you know you've got all summer to do the deals and you know at eleven at ten fifty nine p.m. on the 31st of August is a, a, a mass panic on. Um, I know, I think with the transfer in the minute, a lot of it's like a sort of a merry-go-round. You've got to wait for one thing to happen for the next one. It's same. I mean, I know with us, like with, with Swansea, we couldn't formally try and sign McBurney until Swansea got a striker in. So uh, 
you know, at 8pm on the 31st of August, they got Wilfred Borney back from, from Man City. So then we can go from McBurney. But I, I think if, if the window was brought earlier, the deals would just would just get done earlier because it's, it's, it's really daft at the minute on the, you know, the last seconds of the window, people panicking. Yeah, I think definitely in terms of, of people, you know, trying to get the business done early. I think if, if they know that they've got to have sort of that team in place for the first game of the season, I think it will speed up deals. I think obviously teams in the championship, I think it won't affect sort of as much. Um, obviously, there is a lot of money floating around the division now, but obviously, you know, taking Preston as an example, there's not really a time where I can think of a, a player that's had a good World Cup and, you know, we've gone after them. Um so I think in the sense of the championship for the majority of teams, I don't think it'll sort of matter too much. What will be interesting, though, is, as you said, sort of players mid-tournament, um, especially if have been in Russia as well, you couldn't pick sort of, unless it was, you know, in America or Australia or somewhere like that. So sort of if you are sort of trying to get medicals and that kind of thing done, um, sort of as a from a location standpoint. Um, I think it will be interesting and it'll be interesting as well. Um, I'm not sure the actual sort of time scale, but I'd imagine it'll only be a few weeks again between the end of the season and the start of the World Cup um, sort of to get deals done. So I think the majority of especially Premier League deals will be done over the sort of the course of the World Cup and sort of especially, you know, as as Rob touched on, I, I can't see, obviously you get injuries and that kind of thing at the start of the season, um, but why so many teams do leave it so late and I think what will be interesting is that will that change the dynamic obviously with the, the window shutting before the start of the season will teams bring in more players to you know have those backups ready should they get injuries or will they go with their squad that they've got and you know hope that there isn't any injuries sort of after a few games um, so I think definitely it'll be sort of interesting to see how it goes, especially with it being sort of the first time it's been done. And I think what will also be interesting in terms of a, a Premier League and top half of the championship point of view is especially sort of European teams not having the same closure date sort of as of recording this. I know uh, places like Germany are having a vote on it. Um, not sure what sort of Spain and France and, and other countries like that are doing, but it'll be interesting to see the business done between obviously like England and Spain in terms of bringing in players um, and then selling players. Um, obviously, if the Spanish transfer window stays open another three, sort of two or three weeks after the English one shuts, will there be that reluctancy there for, for teams to sell sort of abroad, um, especially if a big money comes in because, you know, they've got no time to to replace them with our with our transfer window closing so i think the dynamic of it will, will be really interesting to see um and i think it you know it'll encourage teams to get that business done early and not wait till the last day um, i know sky sports news will probably be sort of desperate that they do because it makes good sort of tv and viewing for them um but you know it'll be interesting to see how it pans out so the so the other point on this that I just wanted to touch on was how do you obviously this summer we've seen some ridiculous transfer prices. Do you think with that sort of short gap between the World Cup ending, we've touched on it like a James Rodriguez kind of player having a good tournament? How do you see it sort of affecting prices that players will go for? You know, there'll be more TV money coming in. Um, start with you on it, James. How do you sort of see, you know, the the prices of players been affected next season? Well, it's just, I mean, it, it's, it's hard, to, hard to know how the effect that, well, you know, looking at how it's gone this summer 
I'm thinking how it might go during the World Cup kind of summer. It, it's probably going to be, it's going to get worse. But then on the flip side, you've got to think, well, what's, what's the upper limit? When do you stop going, this is getting out of hand? Or does someone suddenly become a £300 million player? And you're just like, or £250 million. You kind of, with, with Neymar this summer, you kind of think that if Barcelona slapped another £50 million quid on him, or 50 million euros PSG probably would have or the you know the Qataris probably just went yeah whatever so it's just it's just as a model it's kind of it's it's completely insane and um I I, I mean you've got to kind of at some point kind of scale it back because it's just you can't even like how do you kind of even imagine that amount of value and then compare it to you know like you know look at the, 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 the teams that we support like QPR's attendance is at the stadium's eighteen thousand. I imagine, I imagine, kind of, you know, above, you know, you know, Peony and 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 Oakwell and so, you know, they're not massive clubs. Like in terms of, it's just, it just blows my mind. Um, and I think it's, I think it's unsustainable. And I think it could create, as we've said a couple of times, mass hysteria. And it's just being driven. And it's just whether this revenue will then exist further at the top and pull the rest of all the other leagues. And everything away, which is something as a fan of a, a pretty crap club, I, I would hate to see. Sorry if that was ranty again. No, no that's absolutely fine. Um, the same question to you, Rob. Um, obviously, James is obviously quite passionate about it. How do you sort of see it affecting transfer prices next season? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it depresses me looking at the you know the, the current market. I think we're selling players, our best players, for about three million pound, and it. <laughs> It's got to be unsustainable. I mean, like, like James touched on there, like, what is the upper limit? I think in a World Cup year, it's probably going to go even higher because, as we, as you mentioned there, you know, with the likes of James Rodriguez, if a player has a good month, it just rockets their value up. And so next next summer, you know, you probably see more than what what Neymar went for. It, it just makes it, you know, uns- I think it's unsustainable. I, I think, you know, I mean, I know they've got the Sky money at the minute, but. I look at Sky at the minute, the the losing viewers, you know, the the losing revenue. So all it will take for them, you know, the next time the contract comes up is them to say, well, we're, we're not paying the Premier League, you know, this amount of money again because we, we haven't got as many viewers. And, and it'll just collapse. Um, I mean, it, it filters down to, to the Championship in some way. You look at some of the prices that clubs have played this summer in there, like Middlesbrough, I think, spent incredible amount on a couple of strikers. They, they signed Ashley Fletcher, who... Who we had on loan in League One, he did fantastic for us, but they've signed him for probably about seven million pounds. You think like, you know, that that's a player that's not actually done anything at this level, and he's and he's going for a, an an amount like that. Um, I, I'm I'm just hoping that it, it does sort of bust in a couple of years, and, and clubs like Barnsley and, and QPR and Preston who don't spend extortionate fees, you know, and have, have have kept their houses in order. Hopefully, you know, we'll we'll be the ones that benefit when the the clubs that have spent millions and millions suddenly don't have that revenue stream anymore. That's the only way I can I, I can see that clubs like us will um, will sort of benefit in the future if there is sort of that 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 bust element. Yeah, I think definitely sort of it, it does have a limit at some point. You know, whether it's in the next couple of years or or, or sort of whenever we we will sort of see that. I can't see players going for, you know, sort of two, three hundred million. Um, but then saying that a couple of years ago, you know, you thought like the Pogba money was ridiculous and sort of that does look to be sort of at the time Mourinho said it, it'd be a good deal in a couple of years and it's sort of proving that way. Um, I think especially for Preston are sort of 
transfer strategy over the last few years has been sort of bringing these young hungry players, whether it be from Premier League teams or Sean Maguire from the League of Ireland or Tom Barkusen from from Morecambe, bringing these young promising hungry players. And as we've seen with Jordan Hugill, we brought him in for £25,000 about three years ago and we're getting bids of £12 million on him now. So I think... The way we're doing it at the moment is, you know, spot on for us. Um, we're spending within our, our means and, you know, that can only be good for the future when we're not in masses of debt. Um, you know, wage bills not too high and and just look sort of what it's doing to us this season. You know, we're playing some fantastic football and, and I think you don't have to go sort of like Middlesbrough have done. Obviously, they've got the parachute payments, but you don't have to throw sort of tens of twenties and thirties and million pounds at it if you sort of have that long-term strategy in place um granted grace and left but we brought in alex neil who's seemingly taken us on to that next step you know you you can do it the right way and, and not have to you know spend loads of money and um, sort of kind of going back to the harry redknapp thing at some clubs he's been at where he, he has sort of thrown a lot of money at it and um, i think we are doing it the right way and it will be interesting in a couple of years to see whether the spending does carry on or, or, you know, it sort of falls apart, really. Um, sort of, I just wanted to get now, obviously, there's, there's no midweek game this week. Um, so I just wanted to get your guys' previews on on next weekend's games. Um, we'll start with you on this one, James. QPR have got a home game against Burton. Um, how do you see it going? And do you think you can sort of get back to the winning ways after the, sort of the, the defeat against Middlesbrough? Oh, I would certainly, I would certainly like us to. Uh, I remember Burton playing us last season. Just off the top of my head, I can't quite remember. I think we may have lost, uh, but they were great, and they're exactly the sort of team that QPR are terrible against. We're we're much better against a team that's slightly bigger and better than us. QPR do well as an underdog, um, and all this chat that we've had about money, I you know, QPR fans and the owners certainly, and they learned the hard way about how to fritter money away and everything. And this summer, we've basically bought someone for a nominal fee and signed a couple of free transfers uh, who have all really bedded in and done well. Um, but looking ahead, you know, I, I think I think Clough has got Burton performing slightly better than he has last season. So, you know, a lot of people always tip them to go down, but I think they're a dangerous unit. And with the fact that QPR have got Neda Manure out for three months at the back, um, Corker, I mean, again, maybe Corker's hanging out with Jordan much. I have no idea where he is. Um, and then we didn't re-sign Clint Hill because Clint Hill, probably not going to get the time that he wanted. So we've got we've got a right black playing right centre half and a left 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 back playing left centre half. So it's kind of I'd like to see us kind of get going, but we really need to get a couple of those kind of defensive problems kind of sorted. Um, because we we got we're worried at the back and you know uh, I don't know if Dyer's still there, but Aiken Aiken's caused us loads of problems last time uh, he was at Loftus Road. Yeah, just had a look then. It was uh, 2-1 last time they were at Loftus Road. Burton beat you. Um, how do you, or sort of what would be your score prediction for the game if you had to say one now? Uh, oh, God. Um, well, I will, I, I, will say that we will, I will say that we will win 2-1 um, because I just don't think we'll be able to concede. That's, that's the heart, the head. Probably a draw, but I'd like to say we'd win 2-1. We can score this season, which is really encouraging. Yeah, the same to you now, Rob. Um, obviously, Barnsley, tricky away game at Wolves. Um, there's no sort of easy away games in the Championship, but Wolves right up there, sort of at the top at the moment. How do you see the game going? Uh, well, well, first of all, I know you mentioned before, there are no midweek games for us. League Cup um, 
adventurers. There is a league, there's a midweek game for us. I think, to be fair though, Tottenham and Wolves, I think it's going to be a very similar sort of game. The haves and have-nots of, I think it's football, you look at the money that Wolves have spent this summer, you know, I think I spent £15 million on one player. And obviously they've had the start that you would expect for a team that spent a load of money. Uh, we actually played them at Molyneux in September last year and won 4-0 when we were on a fantastic start to the season. I can't see it being like that. Um, I think I do think we'll lose. We haven't won away yet this season. Uh, only picked up one point. So I think it's going to be a very, very difficult game for us. And I think it's going to show, this is the, probably the first, first game this season where it will actually show how far away we are from those teams that have been able to spend millions and millions in the in the transfer window. Yeah, the same as I asked to James. Obviously, you have got that that cup game, which I'd uh, sort of forgot about. Um, with that game in midweek, I'd imagine you know that you lads will be eager to impress, you know, on TV against Tottenham at Wembley. Um, what would be your score prediction for the Wolves game, considering you'll you'll have that game in midweek and they'll be well rested? Well, that, that's another thing. I think as well, you know, we're playing at Wembley. That's a, a very, very big pitch. Uh, they'll all be trying the hardest because of, of, of the venue they're playing. So they could be quite tight for this weekend. Um, I think I'd probably be happy with about a 2-0 defeat, but I can see it being maybe maybe 3-0, three, 3-1 three to Wolves because, like I said, they, they've been rested all week and they've got the you know the, the star players that they've now got that they've been able to, to spend. So I think it could be about 3-0 to Wolves, if I'm honest. Yeah, and just uh, sort of moving on to Preston, we, um, we've we got a home game against Millwall, who, you know, are a dogged team and hard to beat. And I hate saying that we, you know, we should be beating sort of teams like Millwall who've just come up. I think every win or every performance that you have in the championship is hard fought, no matter who you play. Um, but I'd like to see us carry on this winning run that we're on, um, especially after two good results against Cardiff and Birmingham. You know, to to drop points against Millwall to kind of sort of undo the good work that we've done, um, especially in a home game as well. Um, I think what will be important for us is if we can get off to a sort of the kind of start that we did in the second half against Birmingham, um, and as we did against Cardiff, rather than starting slowly like we did yesterday. I think if we can come out flying and, you know, maybe nick a goal in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, that'll set us on our way. Um, the lads are in great form at the moment, so there's no reason why they can't do that. And I think the incentive there is uh, for sort of the lads, not that I can see it happening, but if the top three are all level on points, all drop points, you know, we go top. Um, so who would have thought I'd be saying that, obviously, when Grayson left in the summer? come sort of mid to end of September but you know it, it can happen uh, the incentives there for the lads to go on and, and put a good performance on I'd imagine there'll be sort of a bigger crowd than usual just sort of nature dictates how we've been doing and gradually the attendances have been creeping up and you know you put in a good result uh, performance and get a good result and you know a few of them will come back sort of the following week and it's about you know we've over the last few years, really turned Deepdale into a fortress again for us. So it's about carrying on that, bringing the fans back who've sort of, the, the attendances did slip when we were down in League One, putting on a good performance, you know, maybe go top or at least consolidate our position in the playoffs and and carry on from there. If someone was to ask me to score, I think we should have a bit too much for Millwall. I think they've done really well so far this season. Um, especially against Leeds yesterday, but I think we will have a little bit too much for them. 
Um, if someone was to ask me, I'd say we'd win 2-0, um, maybe 2-1, uh, depending on sort of defensive injuries. We have had a couple of defenders out at the moment. But I think, yeah, sort of head and heart says that we should win, um, which is quite unusual to find me saying sort of about a Preston team. Um, but it just shows how well we've done so far this season. Um, but with that, we're all out of time. If you two would like to um, tell everyone where they can find you and what projects you're involved in, now would be a good time. Hi, yes. So, uh, James Evans, you can catch me at Jimmy Evans. I also run We Are QPR TV, which is the same Twitter handle. And occasionally I'm on the QPR podcast, Open All Ours. Hey, yeah, Rob Miles. You can find me on Twitter at 21 Tyke, And I'm also the editor of Barnsley-Mad.co.uk. Yeah, and as I said at the start, my name's James Vickers. I'm on Twitter at underscore James Vickers. I write for a Preston North End fan blog, which is at Deepdale Digest, where we do weekly player reviews, opposition overviews and anything else to do with North End. So definitely check that out. And thank you for joining me today, guys. And and we'll see you next time. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.